Okay, so I keep saying I was okay after after my dad died, but I was not okay. Because, <laughs> because you couldn't smoke or drink? Because I couldn't smoke or drink. I'm Bryce, this is Plastic Urns, and that was Mareka talking about how she coped with her dad's death. Mareka is a lawyer, and after living in Shanghai and growing up in Chicago, Mareka now knows how to get off the menu deep dish at a dumpling restaurant in Shanghai and off the menu Shanghai dumplings in Chicago. After living in Switzerland and having a German husband, she now knows how to tell Swiss mothers apart from German mothers by the size of their backpacks. You may recall her husband, Sebastian, from an earlier episode, and she just loves it when he and their two young boys feel the need to explain things to her. Or maybe not actually, but she did really love her dad, who was an outstanding father. So my dad was is, was 20 years older than my mom. Um, my mom was his third wife. He had originally gotten married when he was like 18 and had uh, three kids, and that marriage lasted 20-some-odd years. And mm-hmm. then he got married in between to somebody else. They they lasted like maybe a year. And then later he married my mom and started like all over. So when he married my mom, she was like 30 and he was in his he was already 50 or so. Wow. And then he went and had me and my brother and like started like the whole story all over again. Like mm-hmm. starting in an apartment, buying a house, like growing up. Oh well, wow. like the full iteration. The there. whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing all over again. Um, so he was a lot older. So I think that we always I always even when I was young, had in my mind that that my dad would die someday. And I think it makes me, like, ill-prepared for other deaths. But for <laughs> his, I was, like, I, I just felt like I was savoring him always. I would make, like, recordings of him talking. I would, like, just, mm. like, never miss an opportunity to talk to him or to hang out with him just because I always felt like the time, I just wouldn't have enough time with him and I would have more time with other people. Yeah. Um, but with my dad, I think I was always just so, like, just wanting to to savor that. So when he died, he was actually on hospice for a long time. Oh, okay. And he re- eventually, like, he was on hospice um, because he didn't want any more treatment for prostate cancer. But he also had, like, congestive heart failure and various other things. He was, like, 85 and hadn't taken, like, particularly good care of himself and just said mm-hmm. what 85 year olds have like a range of of everything of everything yeah. and he um was in and out of the hospital with like these infections and various other things and eventually he was just like i don't want to do any of this anymore i don't want to take any of these drugs i don't want to do any of it so he went on hospice which is what you do when you stop like treatment for everything yep and so there are these hospice people coming to the house. But once he stops taking the drugs, all, like all this variety of drugs, like he also all the side effects go away and he feels fantastic. Mm-hmm. So he goes back to work. Like he was a oh, lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Um, and in 85 too. Yeah. <laughs> and so he went back to work. He was like doing trials. He was <laughs> like really working and loving it. And then – what, what I always knew would happen and, and like all this in between time when he was like sick and in the hospital and various things were happening, I always kind of felt like it's not time because he's not at the office. He's going to die at the office. Like that's where it's going to happen. Yeah. And he didn't actually die at the office, but he had a stroke at the office. And my brother was there 
And we were in Germany because Sebastian's dad had just died. So we were in Germany preparing for that funeral. And um, my dad in Chicago then had a stroke at the office, and he and my mom, or my brother and my mom, got my dad home, made him comfortable in a bed. And then he was not conscious, of course. He was, yeah, not taking any fluids or communicating or drinking or anything. And so, like, it's fairly easy to figure out what happens next if somebody's not taking any food or fluids. You have a few days, and that's what he had. And then he um, passed away in the bed at home with my mom there and my brother on his way down the stairs, I guess. So So you would have had a little context there of, like, your brother would have told you. Oh, I knew, yeah. yeah. Like, we were in, so I was on a work trip in, in Chile. I was in Santiago. And Sebastian called me that his dad had a heart attack. And by the time I got to the airport, his dad had passed away. And so I changed my flights. And instead of going back to Basel, I flew directly to where Sebastian's family was in Germany. And when we got there and Sebastian's dad had passed away and we were, like, preparing for the funeral. And I, I just said this suitcase will, like, work clothes, which actually are kind of good funeral clothes. And <laughs> get are like preparing for the funeral, and um, my dad has a stroke. Then, like after right after I arrived in Germany, and then it was fairly clear what was happening next. Like my dad was going to die, I and mean, he was going to die like probably within a week or so. And I was supposed to have a like when you're around 13 weeks pregnant, you get this very special ultrasound that checks for certain like disabilities or or reasons that the pregnancy might not succeed. Called the, nuchal translucency ultrasound and they're fairly difficult to schedule and like you if you have to have it like on a particular day like I don't can't remember if it's like 13 weeks in two days or something like super specific Mm -hmm. and so I started trying to like reschedule it to move it to Chicago or to move it someplace else so that I could go and see my dad before he passed away but um I wasn't able to to move it and I actually don't know what I would have done (laughs) if I had like was I going to leave Sebastian in Germany? Because he couldn't leave. Like, he's about to bury his dad. My dad's yeah. actually still alive. He's just about to die. Yeah. Like, so we're in, like, this middle oh, space. Gosh. And so um, my dad died the the day before we buried Seb's dad. So I think my dad died on a Friday. We buried Seb's dad on the Saturday. And then Sunday we drove back to Basel. Monday I got the ultrasound. Tuesday we flew to Chicago. What was it then like coming back to Chicago? And walking into that experience of, like, I guess, I presume there was a funeral happening a few yeah. days later. and So we didn't, we actually, uh, I, I kind of, like, lost my shit a little bit. Because also, like, <laughs> th- my, my usual way of dealing with really sad things or difficult things is to chain smoke and then drink. Okay. And I was pregnant and I could not do uh, either of those things. Oh, uh, I see. So I was, like, just, like, a ball of stress and emotion. And also thinking, like, how can somebody be this sad and then have a healthy baby? Like, I, I am so sad. <laughs> and yeah. I, I I have a responsibility right now to take care of this this person inside of me. And all I want to do is just, like, drink and smoke and be self-destructive and, like, not exist right now yep. and just skip this part. But there was no skipping it. I would just, like, feel everything right. and go through everything, like, totally conscious. And um, so we went back to Chicago and my dad was cremated and I started freaking out. I was like, we need, it, like, a, the perfect place to put him. So I started making appointments at, at, like, cemeteries and stuff. And you grew up 
similarly like where I grew up, so yeah. north side of Chicago and a lot of those cemeteries, the pretty ones are full. So we were on like the <laughs> west side and like all over the place with these like kind of chain linked, <laughs> really, de- really depressing, depressing places with these like kind of mausoleum things built in the 80s and the 90s, mm. like with, with like airport lighting. And <laughs> it was just awful. And it just kept making me sadder and sadder because like I had convinced myself that like everything was okay and we're all going to be fine. And then I see this and I'm like, we're not fine. We can't be here. This is not fine. Um, yeah. So I, I had like a bit of a mental breakdown about that. But then we um, just kept them at home and then planned. Uh, so we didn't have a funeral. Um, and we planned a memorial, and we had it at Ignatius at my high school. So um, I have four brothers, and they came, and their families came, and we actually had, like, I want to say, like, close to 500 people showed up. Oh, wow. Which was incredible. It's a lot um, of people. Yeah, it was a lot of people. And I gave the eulogy, and but all my brothers spoke, and a couple of my dad's close friends spoke. And... That was it. Like, mm-hmm. it was super sad, but it was also beautiful. Like, all these people came, and I mean, he lived an amazing life, and he was just an awesome guy, and mm-hmm. people loved him so much. And I think like a lot of the people he left behind were like didn't know what to do without him. Oh, interesting. And so we're like <laughs> just trying to. Like, he he would help a lot of lawyers with their practice, and didn't charge people, and had you know all kinds of people who he had helped for decades, and he was very close to. Yeah. So when my we always thought that my my dad would die at the office because um he was always there. He worked a ton. He always worked a ton. So when my dad got sick many times or was in the hospital, I always felt like it probably wasn't his time because he wasn't in the office because like that's where he was going to go. It's clear that that was his story. And so <laughs> it made sense that um when he did have a stroke, he was in the office. He was in like the like lunchroom kind of area. And he had a stroke, and and my brother basically caught him, and my younger brother, who's he was a rugby player and is very strong, mm-hmm. physically very strong. But he like physically like caught him as it was yeah. happening. Yeah. Oh wow. And um, put him like brought a wheelchair, like got him into a wheelchair. Um, but my my dad was unconscious then, and the other way of getting him out of the the office was to call an ambulance and if you call an ambulance they might take you to the hospital like they they don't know they're not so sure about the dnr and what does that dnr say and what is this hospice agreement or whatever they very likely will just take him directly to a hospital which which were not his wishes so like my brother carries his limp body wow down to the prius parked on the south street (laughs) (laughs) there's an eco mode (laughs) right And, and like sits him in the seat and straps him in and, like, I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to do that. And I didn't have to take him home and, like, settle him in the bed or, or like, my mom just, like, lay there listening to, to him breathe. Any of that. They had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That it gets uh, – like, I had to, I had to palliatively sedate my mother and, like, make the decision to be, like, all right, we're putting her into a coma. Um she her hallucinations had gotten dark like she was convinced there were construction workers in the house out to get her at all times oh, no. and then she thought i was one of them and so she was like imitating that stabbing herself because that's what i was doing to her like it got dark um i was like all right I'm, I'm, I'm pulling this metaphorical plug in some ways it's nice dealing with it alone 
because like I there's no one else to second guess the decisions, mm-hmm. and also like I get to be alone with my own emotions. After my dad died, I felt more of a need to like help support brother, sister, stepmother, and I didn't have as much space for myself to just do Bryce things. So dealing with it in isolation, in a way, is nice. Yeah, yeah, like. I don't know. Like in that moment when you're when you can see that you're reaching like the point of no return, your mom is hallucinating and you have to do something. Yeah. Like you have to make a decision and having no one else to look to to be like, yes. Yeah. Like like this is the way to go. That's got to be so hard. It was, but also wasn't. It was like. Like you knew? You felt very confident? I kind of knew. It was like, I mean, she'd been like that. She'd been hallucinating for a long time. And it was getting worse and worse. And she, like, her whole goal was to be really graceful in dying, which she did a great job of. And it became then very clear, like, she wouldn't have wanted to be alive to, like, imitate stabbing herself to show that her son was a construction worker out to get her. That's not a thing Yeah, she would have wanted. Um, so it was, like, in a way, a nice way to, like, release her. And also a nice way to, like, release myself. Because it just had been building and building, like, I must have looked like a carcass of a human by that point. So it was mm-hmm. nice to be like, when she died, the overwhelming the overwhelming emotion I felt was relief. Like, cool, like, I can do the next thing. I can, like, move forward and actually deal with her death now or the, it having happened. Mm-hmm. And not just be trying to get her to eat a hamburger with a little bit of ketchup on it each night. Because um, there are just so many logistical things like that, like trying to get her to eat anything. Trying to get her to just fall asleep because she was so agitated, those kind of things. It was a lot of relief then when she died. Yeah. Did you feel like you said goodbye? Did you say goodbye? Yeah. And I, I, I this is one of my qualms, I think, with a lot of dying in movies is, like, the trope of, like, the one last word that you say and then they're released and they die. <laughs> um, I kept being like, oh, shit, like, what do I say? Like, I'm not going to have much time left. I got to say something. I'm like, well, like, I've said all the things. Um, and so then when she was actually, I guess I didn't have like one great last moment when she was then dying. And when she was in the, um, when we were palliatively sedating her and I knew then that like in within an hour is going to be the last time she said anything like from time given suppository to entering coma, a couple of hours. So I kept being like, I love you, mom. So then the last thing she would say was, I love you. And like, that would be the last interaction. And it went on like 30 times, <laughs> like, like well past like one, like, uh, and then in like typical my mother fashion, like she was like kind of going down and then she came right back up and she like started talking about other things. God, you're not making this easier, mom. Um, so it was not like a movie. It was it like, was, it was not movie-esque. It wasn't like she took her last breath or anything like that. Um, even with my dad, like. My dad was interesting because he clearly really wanted to die. Like, when I was in Chicago, I came in to see him, like, nine days before he died and I ended up staying longer than expected because he died. Um, but he was like, like, All right, like, can you get me pills? Can you just, like, roll me into the river? Like, he really wanted to not be alive. So he had a really quick, de- quick decline. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember over the course of, like, the last day he spoke, it was, like, in the morning he was coherent. By the night he was entirely hallucinatory, not saying anything of any substance so again not movie-esque it wasn't like he was like waiting for the last thing and then he stayed in that coma for like three days and we kept thinking he was going to die and we kept trying to leave so he could be alone so he could die and it just didn't happen oh my god um so from talking to sebastian Mm -hmm. 
he he went through grief in what I might call a unique way. Yeah. Or so it seemed of like, I'll cry a little bit after my dad dies outside the church and then I'm going to go get drunk and make a lot of jokes and mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that one that you also, in his own words, described him as weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that, maybe not glad even, but it's refreshing that I'm not crazy that you thought that that was also a bit anomalous. I mean, his whole family... Like they they approach things in a in a different way. They don't talk about feelings. Yeah. Not that we like talk about feelings so much in my in my family, but like feel publicly. Like we cry together or like I don't know, just like act sad and stuff. Like maybe maybe we don't describe exactly like what we think the basis is for our anxiety, but we'll like be like, Oh, I feel upset. Yeah. Together. Um, his family does not do that. So they they are and I don't – it's a cultural thing too, I think. Like the the German cultural approach to this, which was so different for me. Like I, f- I found out my dad was dead in his in his mom's house. Um, the, the, as I told you, the day, the day before his dad's funeral. And so like I'm in this little like entryway in their house, um, like on my knees, <laughs> hysterically sobbing because my mom has just – my mom is in the room with my dad. Oh, God. He has just passed. And she's like, telling you for the first time. And it's happened, like, it's it's happening now. Like, he's, he's yeah. passed his last breath. The, like, the air from his mouth, his, his body is warm. The air is there. And I'm realizing I'm never going to talk to him again, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's, and, and this whole time I had been thinking, like, I need to fix our last conversation. We talked about Donald Trump. Like, that's not the last conversation I want to have with my dad. I want to tell him I love him. I want to tell him how, like, that like everything I do is because of him, and I want to tell him all of that, and I and I want him to just, I just want to tell him I love him, and and I'm not going to get to do that now. As as last breath has been expelled, and I'm a sobbing like uncontrollably, and just just snotting all over <laughs> this carpet in the foyer <laughs> in Seb's house. And his mom, like, realizes what's happening, and she comes, and she gives me a big hug. And, and, like, I speak German, but, like, it's not perfect. And so there's a little bit of a language barrier, but, like, we had no trouble explaining to her that my dad died and and everything. And she just hugs me, which was very nice. And then, Mm -hmm. like, Seb hugs me, and then we go for a walk with his family, and his brother hugged me. But, like, that was it. Like, from his side— (laughs) <laughs> like that was that was it. Like a very transactional experience. Yeah, I mean, and his brother, his brother Norbert, his old Seb's oldest brother. He's one of four. And his oldest brother is like very tender and very sweet, and like the hug was very, very nice. <laughs> he's a very nice person, <laughs> but it's not. It's not like in my family where like we still talk about it. Like we talk about my dad all the time, yeah. and like we like it was his birthday yesterday. And so we talked about him on his birthday and mm-hmm. we just and we hug about it and we talk about how much we miss him. And like that's just not how Seb's family operates. It was just like it was <laughs> it was he he died and like Carl, Carl Seb's dad, he died and, and almost automatically it became like not dad, but Carl. And so it was like Carl, oh, wow. Carl has passed away. And um, like these things happen, like the, the the ritualistic kind of like events happen, but they don't like talk about him that much. And it's not like 
I mean, for us, like, we, we still, like, grieve it all the time. So I keep saying I was okay after after my dad died, but I was not okay. Because, <laughs> because you couldn't smoke or drink? Because I couldn't smoke or drink. And then I, I was trying to, like, just sort of, like, preserve my energy, I guess, for the, the pregnancy that was ongoing and the yep. kid that was coming. And then after the kid was born. Fortunately, that kid, George, is healthy and, more importantly, despite only being four, is already a large fan of 80s power ballads. So George was already... Honestly, he was already over a year old. Life was, like, back to normal. Like, my, my dad had passed away, but, like, and Seb's dad had passed away, but I was, like, back to work, and things were normal, and everything was fine. And um, But I started f- having these, like, insane, uh, ex- like, uh, physical symptoms of something. Like, my, my heart rate was just accelerating wildly, mm-hmm. and I was feeling, like, so, like, exhilarated, but, like, tense at the same time and and I wasn't like familiar with this feeling at all and um I didn't know what was going on and I went and I went out to dinner with some girlfriends like the only thing that would calm it down was like being super drunk so I'm just like <laughs> drinking a ton and like trying to like calm myself down but I'm like talking in a mile a minute and like feeling so like extreme and I just like later in the night after having like a trazillion drinks and just like <laughs> burst into tears and I'm just like I'm just so sad I think I'm sad I don't know what's wrong with me I think mm-hmm. I'm sad um and and I realized that like so my my dad died and I had all these things to do right like I had to grow a healthy baby I had to give a eulogy I just And I was working, like, I'm a lawyer. I have, like, stuff to do. I can't drop the ball on anything. And so, like, I'm not dropping the ball on anything. And I'm just, I'm just, like, head down. And I knew that's what my dad would be, like, proud of me about. Because he loved that about me. He Mm -hmm. loved that I could execute. And then I would just go forward. And I would just do. And so, like, I just kept going. (laughs) I just, like, like, absolutely lost it. And the, the the thing that that got me back to it, like back to normal ish, was um, Seb ended up taking care of George for a whole weekend, and I spent a whole weekend listening to these recordings that I made of my dad, mm-hmm. and just I just cried. I cried for like forty eight hours. I, I didn't do anything <laughs> other than just like listen to my dad talk, listen to these recordings like over and over again, and just cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry so much, and then. I felt still sad, but, like, I didn't have, like, my heart wasn't racing. I wasn't feeling like I was panicked. I think I was having anxiety attacks. I've never. Yep. I think it was anxiety. I don't know. Where did you go? Oh, I know. I stayed in that bed at home. Oh, you stayed at home. I literally stayed in a dark room and just, like, cried my face off. It's like George, Sebastian. Yeah, they right took outside. care of themselves. But and they, I just, they were like, in the same house. They were just... in the same house. I was just like <laughs> fucked up. I was just like, I can't, I cannot. I, I don't know. I, and I've never had that. Like I am, uh, you can ask Sebastian. I'm always, always in control. I am always in a good mood. I am always like on my game. <laughs> it is like my personality trait to like have my shit together. <laughs> and like I did not have my shit together. I was like totally... Busted. <laughs> busted. I was in pieces. 
like, and with like a heart racing, like I never lose my appetite. I can always eat. And I was like unable to eat, which is so insane for me. Like it literally never happened before in my life. How long did that go on for? I don't know. know, Like weeks, a few weeks. Like accelerating. Just a casual few weeks of feeling like you're absolutely out of your fucking mind. Yeah. 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 That's it. Okay. I pushed it all down for so long. And like, because I was like concerned about pregnancy, I was concerned like, okay, now I have to take care of this newborn, something with the breast milk. Oh my God, I'm going to pass on my trauma. Like, I have to like keep my cool. I have to keep my cool. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, my cool is like exploding and I can't. Yeah. I'm trying so hard to push it down. But also, I mean, as somebody who like isn't like has never really had therapy, never had therapy, I should say, hasn't really had therapy. I've never had therapy. <laughs> like I'm an expert in like pushing my feelings down real hard so that they form like a base for my <laughs> for my new life. <laughs> I don't I don't oh, got a nice tiled floor here. <laughs> a super, super tight, concrete, tiled, extremely oh, hard floor of feelings <laughs> to dance upon. Um do you have a weirdest place or reason or triggering thing that has caused you to cry? About my dad? Mostly about your dad. We can talk <laughs> about other things too, but like probably dad. Probably all kinds of things that make me cry. Um, I mean, I think about my dad all the time. Yeah. I think like, like so I felt like he, so he had five kids. Only I was the only girl, and but I think I was the most like him in mm-hmm. every way. Like. We, I, I just felt so similar to him. And, like, after he passed away, I was trying to explain because my, my younger brother was just so, so, so sad and, like, not processing it. And I was like, don't worry. Like, I'm dad. Like, <laughs> it's okay because I'm dad. Um, and because I, I truly, like, I think I was, like, maybe losing it a little bit too. But I was sure. like, dad's here. Like, it's me. <laughs> so, like, when I would do stuff at work, like, law stuff and 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 think, like, I was killing it, I'd be like, thanks, dad. <laughs> and, and just strange. And so, like, I, I might cry after that moment, but I think in that moment, too, I would be, like, just a little bit, like, off, like, really off. <laughs> like, dad's not actually here. I'm not dad. Um, but on. in the moment, I'd be, like, speaking maybe to a group of people about something and be like, thank God I'm dad. <laughs> Weird, weird things like that. Or I'm like, he's still here. I'm him. Thank you so much to Marika, to Brian Patterson for the support, and to Coco Brudden for the music. Get excited for next week, where we talk about my experiences with my dad's death, and may even break out some juicy tidbits about French fries and his crotch. As always, tell your friends about us, do cool things, and if you liked it, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.